Hello and welcome to season four, episode 21 of Arrow Chapter Inverse. Today, we're looking at Legends of Tomorrow, season three, episode 11. Here I go again. And when I say we, of course, I mean myself, Seth Alcorn, and my co host, Patrick Murphy Donahue. Hello. And shouldn't that be uh, Here I Go Again? It should be. It should be. But I can't sing. Oh, okay. We, we thought before we started that it was Here I Go Again on my own. It's yeah, not. It it's not. it's no. Mamma Mia. It's Mamma Mia. Here I go again. It's a bar. Yes. Um, <laughs> which sort of makes sense uh, with the beginning of the episode. But before we get to that, let's get to Front Street. Out on Front Street. 21 Front Street. <laughs> uh, yes. All right, uh, Patrick, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? I'm going to let you go first this time. Okay, uh, so here's the problem. I have to give the episode a D, I think. Some say I might be harsh. Uh, there were bits that I liked. The ABBA bit is a bit that I liked. Uh, the The meta bit, the fourth wall breaking bit, which they did a couple of times i i enjoyed but the plot of okay first of all lately and by lately i mean in the last 20 years it seems if you have a science fiction show i guess longer than that because i referenced star trek if you have a science fiction show you get to a point where you do groundhog day uh and i think i need to mention groundhog day because the movie uh, the movie the show does uh, I also just want to mention for the record, and I wish I knew what the short story was, but the idea for Groundhog Day was lifted from a short story, uh, the author of which was never credited, nor did they receive any money uh, from this hit movie. So I always I always feel the need to mention that when I talk mm. about Groundhog Day. Um, Interesting. The other problem, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but what the hell, is that they were not satisfied with making it Groundhog Day. They also made it overdrawn from the memory bank, uh, which is a somewhat more obscure short story uh, uh, by, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? John Varley, and uh, which was made into a movie starring none other than Raul Julia, which was bad enough that it ended up as a Mystery Science Theater episode. Um, what they, what made it that uh, the the simulation the Zari simulation oh, okay. thing yeah okay. it made it that uh, the other the other part was like they deliberately like they did a thing where Zari catches Ray falling much as Bill Murray catches the falling boy from the tree and Zari learns how to play the violin much uh, as Bill hold Murray. on I'm yeah. going I'm going to well yes he catches he caught the falling boy from the tree, but he also at one point caught Andy McDowell. Okay. As yeah. she fell, as, as she, she like, yeah, no, yeah. Both, good point. She slipped on the ice outside and he yeah. caught her and like a dip, like a dip, uh, much as, uh, 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 she learns to play the violin much as Bill Murray learns to play the piano. Mm -hmm. And there's a point at which it stops becoming an, an homage and it starts becoming, we cheated. We copied from somebody else's homework. Uh, I just want to point out that um, obviously Stargate SG-1 did this because they ran for 10 goddamn years and they needed <laughs> they needed plots after a while. But the thing I remember is uh, Teal'c and um, MacGyver. <laughs> I don't remember his name, his <laughs> character name, but uh, Teal'c and MacGyver 
uh, hitting golf balls into an open portal, which I thought was one of the funniest gags I've seen used in that mm-hmm. context. Uh, but that's my rather long-winded front street, Patrick. I agree with you 100%. D. Yeah. It was a copy and it was a poor copy. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of cute things, but not enough to to make it any interesting. Um, it, it wasn't an interesting take. It wasn't. I. They even name checked Star Trek Next Generation. They did. Yeah. And that episode was fantastic. I don't remember that episode. I might not have seen it, but I. The one of the things that stood out about that episode is like, um, oh, I can't, I, uh, it's, um, it's Data, who it I think is is, is the one caught in the loop. Yeah, and there's something that he, he does that signals, um, <laughs> uh. Jonathan Frakes is that his name? Yeah, mm-hmm. like he touches his um, his collar where his two symbols are or something, yeah. and somehow I can't I can't remember exactly how, but I just remember this being so smart of how to signal what was wrong or something at the end, and that's how they saved the ship or something, and it turned out that it was Q. Oh, of course was it was Q messing stuff up. But again, it yeah. was it was clever. It was, and now mind you those things have had the uh, benefit of being closer to being right after Groundhog Day occurred. Right. Um, But it just goes to say, if you're going to take on this type of of task, then say, oh, we really have something fresh to say about it. Don't just ape everything that came before yeah and put out shit yeah because this was shit it was not good (laughs) it was not good and they they do a thing with it well we'll talk about that when we get to it but they do a thing at the end that really lowered the grade for me Mm. but we'll talk about that when we get yes Uh, i i i don't know what yours is but i know what mine is and yeah it was absolutely a d yeah so Let's step into the episode. Now, somewhat confusingly, the episode starts with Zari walking around the ship, uh, talking to Gideon about her simulation and Gideon expressing doubts that the program is going to be able to run, which is a a weird thing to say that somebody from 2042 is going to come up with some software that's going to crash a time ship. Yeah. Um, But there you go. Especially. uh, uh, Yeah. Uh, now, the the reason that it's weird is because, as you remember, the last episode of Legends had Ava telling Sarah that uh, Rip Hunter had escaped. So I assumed we were going to pick up with that, and we did not. No. Do we see that plot line again? Yes, we do. It's the epilogue, which is like... So I just want to point out, they've had two episodes where this has been mentioned, and both time, it's been in the last 30 seconds. Yes. Um also, just I wanted to check with you. I knew we were in trouble when I couldn't tell when the the um, the recap ended and the episode began. Um, 
that's an interesting yeah well i mean it kind of like i couldn't tell what was i thought for the first couple of lines of this episode that it was still the recap oh wow yeah that's because again i think i also was expecting a different start i was expecting maybe the rip storyline or something i was again then then once i realized we were into the episode i was like well did we skip an episode why are we What's going on? Why don't? Why aren't we like is on the other right story? Right. Uh, but then we get this. We get this. Um, so what happens is everybody who's not Zari comes in dressed in seventies garb, except for Mick, who comes in dressed in Napoleonic War garb. Uh, and somehow he apparently he had to go back in time to steal the eight track of Abba's Waterloo from Napoleon which is something we, okay. Uh, The rest of the team seems to have made sure that Waterloo won at the Eurovision Song Contest that year. By the way, a bit of a coincidence, Eurovision just happened. I didn't watch any of it, but... Nor I. I I hear it's very entertaining, Um, but I didn't watch it. So the the things I like about this, uh, the costumes are funny. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sarah actually looks like um, Dark Phoenix era Dazzler, which I think was <laughs> I th- I think that was on purpose. Oh, no, I mean, she really looks like one of the members of Ava. She looks, oh, like, she? The, she looks like the blonde from. OK, Ava. I was going to say, but that, you know, that blue makeup and the flowy sleeves and everything. It, it looked it, that it reminded me. I don't I don't know. Well, maybe it's not on purpose, but it did. It did. Could be. Like, it could be somebody said, you know, we're going to be this close. Let's just let's just reference in. Dazzler. Yeah. Uh, so then um, Gideon has crashed because the program was too big. Sarah and Zari have a fight. Zari is trying to find loopholes that will allow her to change 2042 so that it's not some sort of uh, fascist hellhole. Um, by the way, I realize we're not unplugged yet, but let's think about the things that we can do to ensure <laughs> that 2042 isn't some sort of fascist hellhole. Let's just keep that in mind. So oh, 2032, 2022. Yeah, whatever. Let's just, let's just stop fascism. That's a good yes. idea. Um, so, you know, they, they have this fight. Sarah insists that Zari can't do that, that that's not what they're there to do. They're there to fix anachronisms. And then Sarah sort of snarls at Zari, go fix the go fix Gideon. Well, and it's also part of the fight. It comes up that, uh, you know, Sarah's like, this is what being a part of a team is. And she's like, well, I never said I was signing on permanently to be a part of the team. So, so. And it, it escalates to the point of Sarah saying, well, I'm the captain. And whether if you're on this ship, you're going to do what I say. Yeah. And, you know, with the um, with the inclination being that, well, Zari's next step is to say, well, I won't be on the ship. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Zari even does a sarcastic aye, aye, captain before she goes off. Yeah. And there's a there's a bit where. Sarah says, I'm going to kill her and goes after her. And Ray says, no, no, don't get angry. Um, and then trips over his platforms. And there we go. Now, I do want to say that one of the things is uh, when they came in to talk about the mission, 
uh, Ray was like, yeah, except a couple of our people missed our big encore. And they look over at Nate and Amaya and Nate and Amaya are like, oh, yes, we missed a thing. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the fact that nobody on board the ship went, are you serious? Are you are you two? Are you I? Because they were all there for the Nate Amaya relationship last time. Yeah. And we all knew that Nate and Amaya were going to get back together. And again, there is a possibility that uh, Nate is also one of Kuwasa's grandparents. We don't we don't know. Yeah. Um, but so that's that. Zari heads off to the engine room and she's doing something and she <sighs> takes it in the face. She, oh, dear. <laughs> she she moves a tube and as one would expect from Wiley Coyote, <laughs> uh, Sylvester the cat, um, Elmer Fudd looks straight at the tube. Any of the three stooges. Yeah. She looks straight at the tube. So, of course, this glow in the dark goo. Yes, we'll just call it goo splashes on her. And then she's like, ah, that's awful. And she does something and she says, hey, Gideon, Gideon. And then she, we see a light and we hear a noise and she looks into it and says, oh, my God. And we see the ship show up. And Zari reappears right in the middle of the fight with Sarah. You mean blow up, not show up. It's a glow up. It's a glow up, blow up, show up. <laughs> okay. I got to go. The ship blows up. Yes. Yeah. Blowed uh, up real good. So we see, of course, that we, we all know what's going on immediately. Immediately. She's caught in a time loop. Yeah. And this first scene plays out pretty much the same, or the second scene plays out pretty much the same way the first scene does. She goes back to the engine room thinking that it might be her fault, I think, that the ship blew up. That was the impression that I got. She kind of she, and she wasn't sure whether it was real and she futzed around with some things and then she saw the light and she said, Mamma Mia, here I go again. Yeah. But this one time she did make one correction. She did yeah. not look directly into the tube full of yeah. goo. And the goo splashed beside her. Yeah. So this might actually be a quick episode to get through because there's so much repetition in it. Yes that actually we yeah we, like okay so and we mentioned like all pretty much well no not all a lot of the lessons she learned <laughs> in her repetitions yeah uh, in the front street and that we we did now um i also i want to say the time for this loop is an hour the duration of this time loop is one hour I'm just going to stop right now and say that that is a ridiculous amount of time. Yes. For what they give us at the end. Mm -hmm. Increments of one hour are not enough. In an increment of one day, I could have said, okay, sure, maybe, but this is increments of an hour. And then I would have taken four hours. Some, some number of hours that wasn't one. Yeah. yeah. You can't do anything in an hour yeah like she learns to play the violin in increments of one hour people i'm trying to play the guitar 
I'm trying to learn to play the guitar. Let me tell you how complicated it is to try to learn to play the guitar. It's not easy. And I don't know how many increments of one hour I would need to figure out how to play it, but I'd get really bored. Now, the, the sort of the implication is that she spends an insane amount of time in this loop. Yes. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless she did like spend the amount. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. Like days, weeks, months, perhaps even years in increments of one hour in this loop. Yeah. Actually to learn the violin, probably. Um, so. Which also like, uh, just any of the, let's take the easiest of things that happen in this hour. Yeah. With, um, like we mentioned, so Amaya and uh, Nate. Nate get back from the mission and they're discussing uh, what happened and how it shouldn't happen again. And uh, Zari is overhearing this. Um, they're in the library and they are talking about um, using the zapper, the, the mind zapper to uh, to forget that, that they... they had done it so that they won't be tempted to do it again. And then that leads to them doing it again and having full sex. So all of that, including having the sex, couldn't be done in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's it yeah they uh it it's it's just um uh, okay so one of the things one of the other things she does is a after this first uh, went on her first repetition she goes around asking anybody if they remember anything weird happening about the ship and the answer the answer is no but she picks up some valuable pieces of information the Nate Namaya thing uh the fact that ray is really squirrely about um uh sarah he's squirrely uh, ray squirrely ray <laughs> squirrely ray <laughs> going to need you to take it down 20 30% there squirrely ray <laughs> um and uh mick is just again i'm not sure why he's on the show yeah like he has one joke pretty much and that's what they do it's like Hey Mick, can you help out at all? No. Yep. You, even for your old. Oh, by the way, uh, good old, good old Captain Cold himself, good old Lensnart is completely gone. Yep, he left. He left when he said he was leaving. Neither hide nor hair of him. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, so, what happens next is she actually tries to tell everybody what's going on. Uh, and then they, we have several repetitions of them putting her in med bay and sedating her. Yeah. And this was a good bit. It's like, what's wrong with it? Oh, I think it's cabin fever. What's wrong with, or what's wrong with her? Space madness. Space madness. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was my favorite one. Mine too. <laughs> too many donuts was a little bit too much like the Twinkie defense for me. Yeah. Uh, that's what that sort of seemed to be a take on. And, uh, you know. Um, yeah. if you, Patrick, do I need to explain the Twinkie defense to people? Do you think? 
Sure, go ahead. We're not going to have a lot of content for for the- that's true. Um, hey, did anybody see the movie Milk? I didn't, but uh, I know it's about San Francisco um, politician and out gay man Harvey Milk, and this guy out gay lawyer, out gay lawyer Harvey Milk, and the he was elected mayor, and this guy who lost his job shot Harvey Milk. And when it came time for the trial, the lawyer said, well, he's been unemployed for several weeks. And I should say shot and killed Harvey Milk. Uh, and I believe more, more other people whose names I, I do not know. Uh, this guy's been unemployed for several weeks. He's been eating junk food and he ate too many Twinkies and the sugar just got to him. The Twinkie defense. Mm-hmm. Um. So, again, I'm not sure that was, I, I don't know. I'm not sure that was a joke I would have used. Um, right. Yeah. Last week's unfortunate mentioning of Peter Gabriel notwithstanding. Um, I just but, list, I just re-listened to that episode and I'm like, oh, why? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. It, it was, we, we, go it, ahead. I, I, it was, it was, we were kind of, uh, Black Lightning was uh, shocking uh, someone who was. That's right. 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 So it's to be mentioned that after uh, several of the sedatings, Amaya, not Amaya, Zari realizes that she's built up. She's they've done it enough that she's built up a tolerance to the sedative. Which is, is like, again, well, okay, how many times did they do it? And also, the implication is that somehow her body is remembering everything that happened in these loops, which tells me that she's not sleeping, which would have killed her. Also, she would have OD'd. Yeah. If On, her, yeah, because if, if it stays in her body. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But anyway, she goes to Nate and he realize and he she's explaining what's happening to him. And he says, oh, you're Groundhog. You're like Groundhog Day. And she doesn't know the movie. And he explains it's a time loop. And so she's like, yes. And we're about to explode. She's like, OK, he's like, next time we come right to me, say Groundhog Day. So pretty much from here on out, every repetition starts with her running to Nate and saying Groundhog Day with different levels of weariness and despondency. Yes. Um, so so the next, so they then decide that they need to check out each member of the team to see who may be causing the ship to explode. Right. And this is where we find out that uh, my... Uh, we follow first of all we follow mick he's doing his laundry which they say is suspicious and we agree uh but it turns out he's got waterloo stuck in his head he can't get it out of his head he uses the flasher that gives the maya the idea to use the flasher so that she and nate don't remember having sex and being intimate and it's like amaya that's not the problem right the problem not is not that you had sex the problem is that things built up between you to a point you would have to erase your entire relationship exactly uh and it was just dumb and also amaya tends to have more emotional intelligence than that it seems like and for for her to be like nate we just have to ignore it we just have to pretend it's not happening 
and forget about it until we can act professionally. And I'm like, or you could just knock it out right now, calm yourselves down, go out and do your job, and then find some time to knock it out again later when you get the horn. Yeah. Uh, It's just, it was... Of the things I have to complain about this episode, (laughs) it's not even, but that's very low on the scale, but Mm -hmm. still needs to be mentioned. It was dumb. It was dumb. Uh, No, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, So we end up following Amaya uh, to the library and she meets up with Nate and they don't flash each other yet yet because they have sex they're gonna knock it out yep and then the ship explodes and then the ship explodes and then who do they follow i did think he says come here tiger and we hear the roar of a tiger yeah that made me think bestiality well i just thought she had the she had the strength of a tiger Oh, uh, it's oh, it's okay. actually only bestiality or approaching bestiality in Garth Ennis's graphic novel Goddess, in which the main character develops a connection with the Earth and gets weird druid powers and turns into a tiger when she got excited and it was weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Those are for fans of Garth Ennis. Um, <laughs> what, what was really weird is it was illustrated by a guy who illustrated a bunch of children's books. Mm-hmm. And Garth Ennis, if you don't know him, is the guy who created the boys. Yeah. So there's a lot of ultraviolence happening. <laughs> so next we followed. <laughs> yeah, next well, we followed. We're back to Mick. We were back they, to Mick. They break into his uh his cabin. Uh which is large and filthy and trap strewn. Yeah. So we have a bit of a montage with them trying to figure out whether a thing in a box is a bomb. It's a thing in a box. Uh, by the way, I think my favorite part was uh, they're not like they get past a bear trap, right? Mm-hmm. And then Nate goes to open the box while he's still fleshy. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't you just turn into steel like you can do? Yeah. So turns out what's in the box is a typewriter and it, it turns out that Nate has been, uh, Nate, uh, Mick has been writing a novel, a sci fi romance novel. Now, this is weird because Mick doesn't read. Yeah. Not saying he can't. I'm, I believe I'm saying that there have been on more than one occasion uh, him scoffing at the very notion of reading a book, period. Maybe that was a cover. A cover for his a ruse. Now, the real problem is that Zari says that Mick's book is good more than once. And the excerpts we get of Mick's book are not good. (laughs) So if you're going to say something's good and then you're going to show it to us, it had better be good. Yep. It's like um, Napoleon Dynamite. There's a lot of buildup to the talent show where he's going to do the dance. Mm -hmm. And because the way the movie is structured, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know whether it's going to be a complete flop 
or whether it's going to be something that's relatively decent. What we got was a dance that nobody expected and was actually very well choreographed and very well performed. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to give us that kind of buildup, especially with someone saying, this is good, make it good. Now, I realize I am asking a lot from the writers of the Arrowverse to make writing good. Shots fired. Those are, wow, those are cannons. Shots fired. Those are cannonballs. Uh, but yes, that's, it, it was, I'm still a little angry about this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, then who, whom do we follow next? Is it next, we Ray. go Ray and yeah. Ray's making tea and he gives a, a cup of tea to uh, Sarah who uh-huh. is looking for Zari um, but then <gasps> Sarah leaves and Zari tells Ray what's going on and he's the one who goes like oh like Star Trek Next Generation yeah. and um, she's like well we're going to need your help and so they decide to she enlists Ray in his full gear to follow Sarah. Yeah. And find out what's going on. And we see Sarah going to the jump ship. But I just want to, a quick thing. Um, Ray's tea making device is overly elaborate. Uh, and it looks like it should do more than make tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where it, it looks like a still. It looks like a still. Uh, this is where Zari finds out, I believe, that Constantine told Ray to kill Sarah if Mollus possesses her again. Yes, that's true. Yes. Okay. Uh, then we go into the jump ship with yes. Sarah as she's having a conversation with Ava, during which time Ava more or less says, hey, you want to do it? <laughs> I mean, we could get together and do it if you want to, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you'd like to. Um, it, it's it's actually a pretty good. Uh, I, I want to say it's somewhat analogous to the lesbian flirting memes that I read. OK, it, it's it's just that they don't know, like, like the thing where it's like I'm hanging out with a friend. Yeah, she's really affectionate. Oh, turns out later she thought this was our fifth date. It's and I didn't know like that kind of. And see, I but I I thought, and maybe and I thought Sarah absolutely knew she was hitting on her. That, um, well, that that, yeah. Eva was, and that she was on purpose, re, kind of. Uh, pushing her off but maybe i was just reading oh you know because they i mean that's not how they played it for the rest of the i mean yeah i i just it it was it it was it was just this thing where i was watching two women who really like each other yeah just failing to connect i think i think my favorite part was uh zari's like maybe maybe she just doesn't have she just doesn't have a finisher. Henry's like, oh, no, the captain can close. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I thought that was yeah. good, too. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, 
that comment leads to Sarah hearing them as a high pitched buzz. She thinks it's a fly and Ava says, kill that fly. You don't know when it's from or what diseases it has. Um, and, and honestly, if it's a house fly, I don't think you have to worry that much. Uh, like if it's a CT fly, you're probably in some trouble or a mosquito. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then she looks and she sees small Zari and Nate who don't resemble anything like a flying insect and small Zari and Ray, small, small Zari and Ray. And she kills Ray with a newspaper. Also, she knows that you have that she has somebody on the ship that can shrink. Yep. Again, stupid. So we're back to another reset and another Nate going Groundhog Day. Time to yeah. Um, and I, I think at this point, this is the one where Nate's like, hey, no consequences. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, Kazari is definitely showing signs of wear. Right. And then we get the fun montage, which they will refer to later as the fun montage. So we see that Nate and Zari are, have somehow each downed about six cans of whipped cream. Oh, more. Yeah, more. In, even more. In and out. Which, look, look folks, I'm, I'm famed for my capacity to eat sweets amongst my friends. I could not take six cans of whipped cream in an hour and still feel all right. No. I was wondering, I was like, is the implication here not so much that they're eating the whipped cream or is that they're doing whippets? Yeah, I don't <laughs> Real good. <laughs> so. Um, and then she, yeah, she goes through trying on different costumes. We get the, we, we see the um, hawk girl. The hawk girl mask somehow. Mask. They left that aboard ship. Uh, she's in a full Roman centurion garb. Uh, she learns to play the violin. Hmm. Uh, she sneaks in and reads mixed manuscript, which is apparently a thousand pages long. Um, and she pelts Mick with snowballs. And this is this sort of stuff. And then she goes to um, Mick and Ray are doing laundry and she has written out their entire conversation on different on uh, cue cards. And yeah. She just stand there and drops them as the ship explodes. Yeah, it is. It is like both that Bob Dylan video and love. Uh, actually, there we go. <laughs> <sighs> You're married to my best friend, but I've written out all these cue cards for you after being an asshole to you for the whole movie. From what I understand, mm-hmm. I have never seen Love Actually. <laughs> Why? Uh, uh, romantic comedies mm. are not my—they're not my bag, baby. It's not your bag, babe. No. So then, here's where here's where the episode really takes a turn or a swing. Yeah. Um. She comes out of the last uh, loop and she and Zari is just beat. She's like, the fun time montage didn't work. I can't take this anymore. I can't do another loop. She goes into the bridge where Mick's uh, revolver. Oh, it wasn't even a revolver. It was, it was a, a single pistol. shot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she picks it up and puts it to her head and pulls the trigger. Yeah uh okay yeah that was was the thing 
and she's like maybe this will help if i if i take myself out and then that's i guess enough and she explains what's happening to sarah and sarah believes her this time yeah because apparently again as patrick said (laughs) zari is clearly distressed now why they didn't try to sedate her again after that i'm not sure Mm -hmm. yeah this would be the time to sedate her yeah she just it's also it's a bunch of time traveling people you're like i'm caught in a time loop the ship's gonna blow up in an hour okay all right sure whatever you want napoleon oh uh, (laughs) no it's like seriously yeah and then this you're like oh no i guess she's serious she tried to off herself well so i might have to go back and edit in a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode because we mentioned she tries to yeah or at least a content warning just to let people know it's coming so it doesn't surprise them as it did us maybe yeah it's 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 a thing it's it's just it's just courteous i think okay um so uh yeah anyway so now that the gang's all on board yeah uh they're like well let they start to plot out searching the ship they've got a half an hour yeah and uh they're she zary's like well i've checked the cabins i've checked the kitchen or the galley yeah and so it's like what you were in our rooms and so he has a beer bottle he goes to throw it away he throws it in the garbage chute it pops right back out yeah and they're like you didn't check the trash compactor and so they go and who's in the trash compactor but gary yeah uh, and he's holding a device that Mick takes and smashes, and we find out from Gary that that was his temporal repeater. Mm. It was the thing he caused to make the time loop uh, keep so happening. That, yeah. Now, at this point, it's like it's not explained why Zari is the only one who remembers because that seems like a, a dumb thing to do if you have a temporal repeater. And you said it so that only one of five people knows what's happening. Right. Very yeah. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's what we're going with. And um, Gary also tells us the reason, the whole reason he's on the ship is because uh, he, the um, something at the time Bureau uh, detected a bomb It'll let him know that the wave rider exploded. So he oh, yeah. teleported so, in, accidentally hit the trash compactor, couldn't get out. And then they're like, okay. And suddenly now it's gone from half an hour down to five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, As they I, rushed I guess, to the bridge where yeah. that's where they sense the explosion starts and it's in the um, cassette tape. That right, Mick smashed. Now, now Mick smashed this cassette tape back at the beginning of the episode. So you're telling me that an hour later, no one's gone over to the smash cassette tape to look at it. Also, how convenient that he didn't smash any of the bomb. And the consensus is that Damien Dark must have somehow planted the bomb in the eight-track tape to get them. Now, again, this bomb is powerful enough to blow up the Wave Rider. It could fit in an eight-track tape. Look what miniaturization has done for us. <laughs> but then in yet another stupid thing, uh, Zari picks up the bomb 
and then locks herself in the library. The office map on, room that place that's on the bridge yeah uh and she puts up the force field and she's telling everybody what she thinks of them and how she's grown to love them and they're her family now and so she's going to again off you know uh, uh try to conceal the explosion with her power contain contained yeah um and it will of course blow her up but everyone yeah. else should be safe somehow i don't know how her tornado is going to contain the explosion when it's not strong enough to move any of the items in the office yeah nothing blows around uh but yeah as patrick said she does this thing where she looks at everybody and she solves all their problems for them she's like nate and amaya the way you look at each other makes me want to throw up, but don't hide it. Don't try to forget. Embrace it. That's who you are. Uh, Sarah, you're so tough because you have to be. You're the soul of the ship. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Ray, don't be afraid to tell Sarah what Constantine told you. What did Constantine tell you? That, Mala, that if you're possessed by Mollus, I should kill you. Okay. And then it, it's counting down. It's down to one second, and then no one else is on the bridge. Yeah. And Zari is there. And who should come out to meet her but Gideon's avatar? And this is when it turns into overdrawn at the memory bank because Gideon is like, oh no, you're actually in your simulation. Your body is in the med bay because when that goop splashed on you, it was really dangerous. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're lucky to be alive. Now, let's start with the, re the, the problem here um there was no break between the goop splashing on her and her moving into what is now considered to be the simulation yes and we know that was her first time going through the explosion because when we come back for her first repetition she's only seen it the once so somehow the goop splashed on her and her mind slash Gideon bridged the next several minutes seamlessly. Mm -hmm. So, okay, sure. Gideon reveals that when Zari ran her program, Gideon looked for loopholes to save 2042 Gideon was like, in order to save Mollus and 2042, you need to stay on the team. In most of the futures I saw, you leave the team after you have this argument with Sarah. So this whole thing was set up to give Zari a chance to bond with the team in one hour increments, which they don't remember. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so you couldn't have done a simulation where Zari spends like a day or two with each member of the team and gets to know them and bonds with them. You couldn't have done that. You, you couldn't have done something like that. Also, the reason I don't like this episode, and it actually, I said I was going to say it when we get to it, when we got to it, and I didn't. I didn't say it when we were there. But it's in the previous scene where she's saying, and I'll miss you most of all, Scarecrow. Right. 
they're like, Zari doesn't really have any reason to trust the team. We don't have that much longer in this season. We need to give Zari a way to connect with the team. Okay, we'll have her do this loop thing. So we're not going to show all of the ways in which she connects with the team, but she does. Oh, should mention in the Sarah scene in the in the uh, wave rider, the wave I mean, rider, the jump ship, the jump ship. Sarah talks about how valuable Zari is to the team. End story. Yeah. Uh, but so she has this real big emotional moment, which has no resonance for the rest of us. Yeah. It is unearned. And that is my big disappointment. And that is why this episode's getting a D. Yeah. Because they built to this crescendo that was like a wet firecracker. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess she's doing this thing. Yeah. And it, and, very much same for me that my big problem was once we got to oh it's all a dream um that we had been through this whole um rigmarole for uh the payoff to be her learning and grow and growing to love the rest of the team which ultimately she did by herself you know she spent the bulk yeah. of the time alone and, uh, and and with nate yes but again in these hour increments they they shot themselves in the foot with the whole hour thing and that by the way that's not helpful that's torture Yes, And we can see that it was torture because Zari is despondent enough to want to kill herself. Yes. So at like Gideon at that point, stopped the simulation. You should have stopped it there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, agreed. That's why I gave it a D. Yeah. Like, this is just, I mean, and I, and I have to say that, uh, with this episode, I think the writers just seriously were were riding high on their own. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it's sort of like not confidence, but uh, you know what I'm you know what I'm going to say. Their supply. No. Okay. Yeah. No. It's the, oh. 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. I yeah. missed that cue. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The writers themselves. This time we're saying <laughs> they were up on their own hubris, overweening pride. Kick him, dunks. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, um, it, it it really does. Uh, it's it's just reeks of it. It just it, it it's uh, like let's take Groundhog Day and write it for our show. But anyway, I, I, I mean, honestly, it feels like they were sitting around a writer's room. They're like, hey, have we done a Groundhog Day in the Arrowverse yet? No, no. Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day, Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. Groundhog okay, Day. like they did a Star Trek and Stargate SG-1 and I think Farscape and, uh, you know, yeah, like I'm sure many other sci-fi shows, they all do a Groundhog Day episode if they run long enough. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to jump in and say real quick. Uh, I don't know why I said I want to jump in and say because you can just say it. It's a, just say it. Yeah. In overdrawn on the memory bank, the protagonist thinks he spends 
years in this coma that he's in. And while he's in there, he, you know, he's in a dead end job. He could barely afford this like mental vacation that he took. Um, I'm about to sneeze. So let me mute myself all that. Okay. How considerate of you. And you just wait for it. And there she goes. Um, yeah. I mean, it looked like it was a big one. It was a big, it was a big one. Scared my cat. Um, <laughs> Is that a euphemism? Nope. <laughs> Not yet. What? Anyway. What? So. Okay. So he thinks he spends years in there and he learns a bunch of skills. And by the time the simulation's done, uh, he is now equipped to go get a better job and a better life for himself. Great, good. Zari might think she spends years in there, but she spends it living the same hour over and over and over again. Uh, as it turns out, by the way, the guy in uh, Overdrawn at the Memory Bank, spoilers, because he was in a computer simulation, he is processing things at computer speed. His mind is a bunch of ones and zeros. So he really was only in a coma for about three hours. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Or something or something like that. It's it's a bare fraction of the time that he thinks he spent in this uh, virtual universe. But, you know, as we say, Zari, we don't know how long she's been under, but it's not great. So then Gideon, I, I guess I can't tell whether they're still in the simulation or not takes her around the ship to observe people doing what they've been doing this whole episode. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it's a recap, right? Nate and Amaya are canoodling, Mick's writing, uh, Ray's tinkering, Sarah's talking to Ava. Um, and then Zari comes out of it. Yeah. And then she goes around the ship and once again, solves everybody's problems for them. Like, we just saw her do this virtually. Yeah. Why, why do we have to see her doing it again? It, it's, the same, it's the same beats that we saw five minutes ago. Um, and that's like, I'm like, look, all I'm saying is this. If you're out there listening, aware AI on the internet... I assume, hiding as you are from human <laughs> knowledge. If for whatever reason, I, Seth Alcorn, am ever in a coma mm -hmm. and you feel the need to upload my mind as though I were transhuman and put me in a simulation to give me something to do, please do not put me in a simulation where I have the same hour to solve a mystery or I'll end up dead. Yeah. May I suggest the vast corpus of literature, video games, and movies that I would be just as happy to get inserted into. <laughs> right? You really want to make me happy? Make me a Jedi, put me at the beginning of the prequels, and let me loose. Okay. Just let me... I, I, the first thing I do, Senator Palpatine, psh, dead, good, problem solved. <laughs> Anakin, get your head out of your ass. Padme, we're the future or the past, but the, we've got great equipment and people and space wizards. Let's make sure you get the best medical care. Anakin or Qui-Gon, what are you doing leaving the kid's mom on planet? I don't care what Watto said. Knock <laughs> him out and take her. <laughs> yep. Anyway, 
so, I mean, and that is just one example of many things that you could do with my consciousness. If I were in this situation, you don't have to torture me. Right. I try to drive me insane. Yes. Um, that is almost the end of the episode, but we get a quick, quick epilogue. It's 2018. We're somewhere in China. Who should be meditating there by himself under a pagoda but Wally West? Was it an Abe pagoda? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was an Abe pagoda. I got to I got to tell you uh, that that pagoda has on it an an old saying in Chinese, which is Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> there we go. Uh, a pagoda later played a guy named Fish. Coincidence? Yes. I don't think so. Okay. So Wally West, whom we haven't seen for quite a while in uh, The Flash, because, of course, having two speedsters uh, means that they can solve a lot of problems. Yeah. Uh, really easily. There should be no problems. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they haven't called him back with all the shit they're dealing with is like, pick up a phone. Yeah. Pick up a phone. Or have Barry run to him and be like, Wally, we're in a lot of trouble. We need your help. We need your help. Come on. But who shows up and asks for him, for, ask him for help, but Rip Hunter. End of episode. Patrick, how long have we been recording? Uh, 55 minutes. One of our shorter episodes because there was very little to talk about. Yes. Um, in which case, I'm going to talk about a couple other things which are related to the Arrowverse. First of all, Allison and I have been watching The New Girl. Oh, okay. Uh, which is a pretty delightful sitcom, although I'm upset that they replaced Damon Wayne's character after the pilot, because I kind of liked him. Well, you know why. Uh, no, I don't know why. Oh, well, then allow me. Um, Damon Wayne's shot the pilot for New Girl and... Yeah for a show called Happy Endings, which uh, is on ABC. Ah. Happy Endings got picked up first. So he went with that. So he went with that. This is Damon Wayans Jr., by the Damon way. Damon Wayans Jr., yes. you can tell by looking at him that he's a Wayans. Absolutely. He looks just like his father. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Um, okay, so maybe we maybe we and should watch Happy Endings next. You should. Yeah. I, I, it's pretty good. Um, and, but it only lasts for two seasons? Yeah, I think two seasons. And so he does come back to New Girl. Oh, good. Yeah, so you yeah. have that to look forward to. <laughs> more than one more than one black person in this sitcom? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the reason I want to mention New Girl at all is that in the first season, perhaps three to four episodes apart, whomst should we see as day players? But Laurel Lance... And Oliver Queen. That's right. Oh, I remember Oliver. Yeah, he might be in more than one episode. I don't know. He's, he's in a couple episodes. He's CeCe's uh, dick of a boyfriend, Kyle. Dick photographer <laughs> boyfriend, Kyle. Kyle, yeah. Uh, in doing some comedy, which, again, he's actually pretty good at. Yeah, I, I was, I'll be interested to see, but I was really shocked to see Stephen Amell. Uh, uh, when, who was Laurel? She was in one episode where she played that classmate of Schmitz from college who was in recovery uh, and that he kept trying to sleep with at that wedding. 
Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I didn't even recognize it. <clears throat> yeah, it took me a minute. It took me like uh, a while of seeing her face fully, you know, into the camera and me going, oh, wait. Oh, no. That's, yeah, that's Laura Lance. New Girl is, it's, I, I really enjoyed it. And I really, I've watched through a couple of times. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I had, I hadn't seen a couple of episodes before. I, I really have to say one of the things that I, I enjoy about it uh, a lot is the douchebag jar. Yes. The douchebag jar. Yes. Uh, which is anytime Schmidt, uh, one of the characters says anything douchebaggy, he has to put money in yeah. the jar, which is quite a lot. By the way, Schmidt same guy who played Leo on Veronica Mars. And even though new girl starts seven years after, like I think it's 2011 and Veronica Mars started in like 2004. Uh-huh. He somehow looks younger. Yeah. Than new girl. <laughs> he does. It's, it's really weird. Um, but yeah, new, new girl is a lot of fun. Uh, Zoe Deschanel does essentially play a manic pixie dream girl, but it doesn't play out at mm. necessarily as you would expect. Yeah. So, um, and it's fun. It's just fun writing and the, the cast is good and it's, it's yeah. Anyway. So that's one of the things I wanted to mention. The other thing I wanted to mention is that before minutes before we started recording this episode, I said, Patrick, an article called. Um, uh... I'm done with the Arrowverse. I'm done. I think I'm done with the Arrowverse. Let me uh, let me go ahead and take a look at that there. Uh, look at that. Make sure we we, uh, we get the right thing. Uh, I think I'm done with the Arrowverse. Sent to uh, sent to me by Steve Major, who has guested on the show a few times. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Steve Major. Now it's uh, about. Um, uh, a, an, a writer from Gizmodo slash IO9, the, the author mentions IO9 a couple of times, uh, writing about how they have become disenchanted with the Arrowverse because it keeps going and it keeps adding shows and they don't really like a bunch of the stuff and they say that even somehow Legends has lost its luster after coming back for a sixth season. And my only thought as I read this article was you were able to watch any of this without being tired of it and feeling like it was a chore. <laughs> like, I, and that's not fair because I did like the first season of Supergirl more or less. And I did like the first season of the flash, but mm. the, the idea that somebody could get this far into the Arrowverse and just now be like, you know what? It's just not, you know, it's a lot of mediocre and there's so many good other good superhero things out there. I'm like, really? It, it took, really? <laughs> it took you this long? I mean, we're slugging along because we're masochists, but we are aware of what. We're yeah, I mean, and this for. like this is a the problem is this is a project. It became a project for me mm -hmm. at the end of 2019. <laughs> I still can't put it down. Yeah, I can't I can't put this down. And apparently like DC's got three other shows coming out on HBO Max. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe assuming we ever get back to Titan Zick, we'll convince Scott that we have to do Doom <laughs> Patrol. 
and the, yeah. and the rest of those shows. Um, but yeah, I, I was just amazed that one could have been a fan. Well, honestly, I, I gave up because of Arrow the first time. Arrow's not good. At, at no point has it ever been a good show. Um, but I watched it long enough to watch The Flash, which was a good show for one season. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I keep saying the same thing over and over again, as though I'm caught in some sort of time loop. Uh, Hedgehog Day. <laughs> Hedgehog Day. I, I just still like... I, I, I can't believe that somebody had this take on it. <laughs> but obviously... I'm not in the majority because they keep adding shows to the Arrowverse. Yeah. And yeah. some of the originals are still going. Now, there's going to be a lot of like um, uh, Supergirl's ending. Black Lightning has ended at this point. So the only shows left because Arrow has ended and I haven't heard anything about Green Arrow and the Canaries. Uh, Batwoman's still going. Legends is still going. Flash is still going, but by the way, they're losing uh, Cisco and Harry. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and I want to say that the Arrowverse, they're adding another one called Naomi, but the Arrowverse is collapsing from six shows down to four. Okay. So, so yeah. So now we really have come to the end of the episode. <laughs> and it's time for plugs. Patrick, what would you like to plug? Um, right now, um, I don't, I, I, I kind of think we started with the plug from earlier. So yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna continue to plug being safe, doing things that, you know, uh, try to stay on the right track with getting out of this pandemic. We are still in a pandemic um people we, we you know they're now projecting that we won't reach herd immunity um at all yeah because um we did not get enough people vaccinated on the you know the first strains of the uh virus so now We'll never catch up with all the new strains that are coming out. It's always going to be booster, 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 booster. So, um, hey, thanks, anti-vaxxers. Yeah, yeah, real dick move you did for the rest of us. Thank, uh, thanks, everybody who went in for one shot and said, eh, "That's enough. I don't need the other one." Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I, you know having had both shots and had completely quarantined and, you know, have spent the last year and a half now uh, without catching even a cold. Yeah. Due to protocols that were put in place for the pandemic. But I'm like, you know what? These just make sense because I haven't gotten sick. So, yeah, uh, you know, I'm sticking with my mask. It, you know, I'm sticking with, you know, keeping it. Well, I already was kind of a chronic hand washer, but, uh, um, 
yeah, all the things to keep that extra safety. Why not? Extra safety is good. So yeah, that's what I'm I, plugging. Extra safety. Extra safety. Um, I actually, I think I also kind of started my plug earlier, but uh, let's not let the country turn into a fascist hellhole. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, punching bag of the show, Joe Manchin, uh, apparently released a statement today that says he is quite wroth with McConnell's obstructionism in the Senate, will that cause him to vote to get rid of the filibuster? Probably not, because it's a principle, and by God, he's got to stand by it. They can at least tell McConnell that his political chicanery has no place in this country. Really? I'm um, sorry. <laughs> he, he, he essentially said, uh, there's no reason for Republicans to vote against this uh, commission. Um the fact that they're doing it and that McConnell has admitted that it's, it's to win in 2022. He should, he should not fear the truth coming out, et cetera, et cetera. It was strongly worded, which is fine. But if Manchin's still going to be like, Oh, we need to preserve the traditions of the but Senate. He's not going to do anything then, about it. And, yeah. and people like that. Yeah. So it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to jump on your point. No, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> makes, it makes me angry too. Uh, so as I said, Find vulnerable Democrats, give them money. Find vulnerable Republicans, give their opponents money. They're Democratic opponents. Let me just make that clear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know it may seem like a fun idea, or at least it certainly did in the past, to find a Republican you don't like and, let's say, give money to a wackadoodle Republican because they're going to be too wackadoodle to get anything done. Uh, the wackadoodle folks are now running the Republican Party. Yes. So if you could find a vulnerable wackadoodle in a seat that has no chance in hell of getting a Democrat and get it replaced with a, a moderate Republican, if such a thing exists in this day and age, uh, I'll go with two shades less wackadoodle. Sure, fine. Just remember, we're going to need to vote again in 2022. Yeah. Yep. And we're going to need to vote hard. We're going to need to vote harder than we did in 2020. That's the status quo now, folks. Yeah. We got it. And, you know, until we, until we could do something to break the Republican lock on the state houses and uh, legislatures, we're not going to be able to do anything about the uh, anti-voting laws because, again, uh, Manchin and Cinema don't be- believe that the Senate filibuster is a more important institution than people's right to vote. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I, I think that's enough political ranting. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, for this episode. Yeah. Uh, so, we hope you enjoyed the episode. We do. We hope you're having a good day. We do. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.